If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dare to Self-Care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. If you're new, welcome. I'm Jen, your host. I am a lifestyle YouTuber. We've had a bunch of new people coming in, which is so exciting. This podcast is obviously all about self-care, bringing in health experts, wellness experts, bloggers, entrepreneurs, and just figuring out how self-care has played a role in really anyone's success. So today we have on Sari Diskin, which we will get into that in just a bit, but if you are new, we always every week reflect on what was in alignment for me this week and what was out of alignment for me this week. So let's start with what was in alignment for me this week. I felt super focused and energized. So this one's a two-parter. One part of it is something that we are going to be talking a lot about in next week's episode, so I don't want to harp on it too much because we'll really dive in deep with Erica next week. She's Evolved by Erica. That's next week's guest. And if you have been following me on any of my platforms, then you know that I've been practicing Kundalini breath work with her, and it has totally been shifting my year. Well, I'm sorry. I just had a weird outer body experience where I'm like, whoa, I'm podcasting right now. Like, I'm literally living in how... I want to live my life. That was weird. Anyway, (laughs) that was a very weird, cool experience. Anyway, it's really cool that I started this podcast at the same time that I started Kundalini because I feel like I'm really noticing every single week when I reflect back back on the week before, I just have such a lighter, more joyous aura about me and, you know, a better perspective and outlook on life and I'm not harping on all the stressors anymore and I really feel like that's, you know, the deeper that I get into my kundalini practice. So what was in alignment for me this week is that I felt super focused and energized and I was feeling bloated. I wasn't feeling my best physically, yet all the lethargic feelings I had in January are gone. I feel focused. I feel re-energized, reinvigorated and You know when you get to a point where you're like, what is life without being lethargic and tired all the time? Like you have a week and you're just like, I can't imagine actually waking up and being ready to conquer the day. Like that's how January sort of felt for me. It was, I think I was experiencing burnout for sure, but I'm back on that kick of just feeling super energized and ready to be productive and feeling really good in my own skin and just feeling really good this week overall. And that's definitely due to morning call, which is a 40 day challenge that I've been doing with for Kundalini with Erica or her whole community has been doing the morning call, which is really all about aligning your chakras. If you go to the spirituality highlight in my Instagram, Jen underscore Lauren with two N's, you can hear me talk a lot more about that. It was just the most in alignment thing for me this week that I couldn't not share it. I essentially was feeling super focused, super re-energized, and usually when I'm feeling bloated, you know, it's a direct correlation with also feeling fatigued. So 
I was a little confused, but you know, I was, I've been going with it. Why would I ever complain about that? But the other day, Erica had a Kundalini 101 Zoom. So like ask all your questions for anyone that's new to Kundalini. And towards the end, she was like, yeah, we've been doing morning call for 40 days and everyone's been saying that they feel really focused and energized. And I just had an aha moment where I was like, those are literally the two words that I keep saying I feel, and I had no idea why. I tried the Saqqara meal plan this week, and wow, is it good. Oh my god, the most beautiful meals, so convenient, all recyclable containers that it comes in, like Every single meal is super intentional. It has a superfood highlight. So I was nourishing my body with all of these superfoods and doing kundalini, which made me feel focused and re-energized. So I just felt really, really great this week. Also, side note, if you are more interested in Saqqara, happy to talk more about that. I am going to be uploading a video soon of, you know, my initial thoughts from trying it. And I do have a discount code for you guys. If you are new to Saqqara for even their clean boutique, you can use it on. It's XO Jen Lauren. So you can use that. But between that and Kundalini, I just felt like, I don't know, like this shit works. All of it. The nutrients, the kundalini, the meditation, the breath work, manifestation. Like, I just had a moment this week or the entire week where I was like, this shit works. It's all working. I will say with Saqqara, because I have IBS, the more raw meals, like there was one meal that had beets and it was like a salad for lunch and I got super bloated because I just can't handle beets. My stomach can't handle it. So that's one example of like, okay, I was feeling super bloated and usually that would have just like, I'd been, I would be out for the day, but I was still so energized and focused on emails and work and my side things and just everything. Like I didn't get drained. It was amazing. So when she used those words, you know, saying that people were feeling focused and energized, I was just mind blown because I didn't know that that's why I was doing the morning call. I knew it was aligning my chakras, which are basically all the energy centers in your body. And the morning call is essentially like scanning through each one of them using sound and breath. And you literally feel everything balancing within you. So I knew what it was doing in terms of I felt really balanced and I felt in alignment, which I never... I know I say what I felt in alignment with each week, but I never really understood what that meant until recently in terms of like feeling completely in alignment in your body and your life. And I'm just really feeling that. So I knew that I was feeling aligned and grounded and balanced, which I thought was what came from the morning call, but I didn't have an explanation, I guess, for the focus and energy energized part. And I think now I do. And it's just really, I'm just so grateful for it. And I can't tell you how much more I'm enjoying life right now. Of course, life throws curveballs at you. There's going to be tragedies that come my way. And, you know, maybe people would say that's a negative mindset, but I just think it's being realistic. Like, I want to enjoy my life in the moment and relish in when I feel really good and practice gratitude every single day so that I can really appreciate life as it's happening. And then when the curveballs are thrown my way, I can always return back to gratitude and I can also sit in the discomfort and know that the good days will come because I've had some really, really shitty bad days in my life and look where I am now. Clearly, I've gotten past those days and I'm having a really great week and it happens. You can have a really great week and then you can have a really bad week, but just knowing that you can always return back to gratitude and the good days will come is something that I find comfort in and so that's what's in alignment for me this week. What was out of alignment for me this week, you know, this took me a minute to think of this one, which is a great sign. I feel like back in January, when I was recording these intros, it was the opposite. Like I had to really think about what was in alignment for me this week. And what was out of alignment 
came to my mind first because I was putting pressure on myself and stressing on, you know, all the negatives. But the more I practice gratitude and really just sit in these beautiful feelings and knowing that, you know, what is meant for me will come my way and it's all coming and all those beautiful mantras and perspectives on life, I'm just realizing a shift of the first things that come to mind are positive and then it's harder to think of, you know, the negative things, even though out of alignment doesn't necessarily mean negative, it just means like what wasn't really vibing with me this week. And what I ultimately came to was editing my videos. I really don't like editing videos, guys. It's it's not for me. I don't mind editing the podcast because I enjoy listening to the conversation. I always want to listen to it before I record these intros for you guys just to like think about what topics were spoken about and I have to pull quotes for the graphics and everything. So I have to listen to it anyway. So I don't mind that because I know guaranteed it's only going to take an hour because that's how long the episode is. But when it comes to editing a YouTube video, guys, I envy those people who say they actually prefer editing over the filming. I will never understand. The filming is the fun part. That's where that's what lights me up. I love talking to you guys. I love that's just when I feel my most inspired. But then I'm done filming and the editing just haunts me and I find myself doing it for hours the night before it's supposed to go up because I just procrastinate. So this week I just found myself like really dreading it. You know those things that you know you have to do and you just keep pushing them off and it actually reminds me today I had a conversation with Organized Jane for this podcast we were recording and we were talking about how a lot of the times the things that haunt us in terms of organizing or decluttering or clearing space in our minds and our physical space and our Google Drive, whatever it is, a lot of the times it really doesn't take as long as we have built up in our heads. Like we put it off, we put it off, we put it off, and then we do it and it took 15 minutes. It's like I wish I could apply that to editing where it's like just do it and then it'll be done, but editing takes hours. I find myself, ex- not excited, but like so much more willing and happy to edit a sit-down video because I know it takes me a million times quicker. But when it's like a 30-day challenge or something, you know, vlog style, it's just a lot of different clips instead of the one long clip where I just have to add in some visuals and some titles. It's the same idea though where when I'm doing it and I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone and it's not dreadful at all and it's kind of fun and I get to be creative. But I just found myself this week like really dreading editing and it's just like a shitty feeling because you're so excited about the content and you can't wait to put it out. But then there's this in-between moment where you have to act actually edit it and I think what bothers me is when it comes to like making the thumbnail I love it I could take two hours on it if I wanted because I can do that while I'm watching tv or while I'm watching youtube like I can do something that's fun while I'm also like getting creative and doing my thumbnail but with editing it takes so many hours where you're glued onto the screen and my back hurts because I'm sitting for hours and It's just that side of it that I don't love because as we know, I love to move my body and take care of myself and be able to watch YouTube and do things that I love. So with editing, there's no multitasking there and it's just, it's a daunting thing to be like, okay, gotta get seated in it for hours. But I learned that it works better for me to do it in chunks throughout the week sometimes where, you know, if I have a slow hour during work, I'll start editing a bit during the day. And then it's like less daunting because I don't have to edit the entire thing in one night where it's like the next time I go to edit it, I'm halfway done. So it's just a little productivity hack. If something seems really daunting, do it in doses, which is kind of what we were saying with organization, which you guys will hear in a few weeks. You know, doing a 
a few things at a time rather than thinking you have to organize your entire apartment in a day or your entire closet. It's like section it out. So I'm trying to do that with editing so that it's less of a daunting task for me. So we are going to breathe in more of what was in alignment for me this week. So, And you guys breathe in whatever was in alignment for you this week. Or if you want some more of the focus and energy that I was talking about, breathe that in by all means with me. And out of alignment, breathe that all out. Whatever was out of alignment for you this week, I feel lighter. What about you? I'm going to imagine that you said same. Okay. (laughs) I did want to shout out quickly before we get into Sari that I've been thinking of going live with you guys on YouTube. I'm trying to figure out a way to really get the community all gathered and together. I know you guys are always listening to me, but I really want to hear from you guys. I want to all talk about all of our favorite self-care and morning rituals. I was going to film a journal with me video because I've really been getting into journaling and journal prompts and I just... I don't want to just film myself doing it. I want to do like a workshop live with you guys on YouTube where we have a conversation about our favorite habits, what's lighting us up these days, and then get into some journaling, maybe like at nighttime before bed. I asked you guys in the community tab on YouTube if you'd like that. It sounds like a bunch of you guys would join, so I'm really down to do it. I had written on there that I would do it if you guys wanted me to once we hit 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. So head over there and subscribe. We should be, we're like 100 subscribers away, so it should be fairly quick. So if you guys want to subscribe over there and then I will definitely promote that live YouTube workshop morning ritual conversation on all of my platforms. So I really hope we can make that happen because I want to, you know, while we're still pretty small, I want to really get to know you guys and, and journal with you. Obviously, you know, I could do a journal with me video, but I want to do it with you. And I just think it would be a really powerful, fun little self-care night that we could have together. So Without further ado, let's get into the episode with Sari. She is a Michigan-based wellness, lifestyle, and food blogger. She's also a certified health coach, even though she's not practicing as a health coach right now. She does, you know, she is certified, so she's very well educated in the world of health. She is so cute and endearing and lovely to talk to. I absolutely loved this conversation with her. We spoke about everything from, you know, content creation and growing her community to her journey to intuitive eating and, you know, a food freedom style life and finding joy in food. She also gave us some, you know, three tangible ways to actually getting past diet culture. And of course, everyone's journey is different, but she shared what her three things were that really helped her. And I think anyone can really pull at least one thing from that and hopefully it'll help you. We spoke about exposure therapy, how to actually listen to your body and We also got into a bit about how she balances her relationship with her husband, you know, when he was studying to get a medical degree and now he's a doctor and a doctor during COVID. One of you guys asked on Instagram, I always put on the Dare to Self Care pod of the guests that are coming up and one of you guys asked about that. So I made sure to ask her and it actually led to a really thoughtful conversation about healthy relationships, which we love. So without further ado, please welcome Sari to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Of course, we are so excited to have you. But we have to start off with your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success. Every guest has to let me know their favorite self-care ritual right off the bat. For sure. So my favorite thing is having a morning routine of some capacity. So I love waking up early and just having my coffee and sitting there. And whether I meditate or journal or do nothing, 
I just love having that quiet time in the morning. So if I don't get that during the day, I'm like not the same. So my number one self-care is just to give myself space in the morning to like ease into my day. I completely agree. Sometimes if there's like a big thing happening during the day, like a presentation or something, I like skip my morning routine just out of angst and like wanting to get to the day. And it's always a bad idea. Like I need to make sure even when I'm like in a rush, I need, I've been trying to like stop myself ahead of time and be like, no, this morning routine, the meditation, everything is actually going to make all of those things better in the end. So I completely agree. My morning routine is like a must every single day. It's so wild because when I was working in the corporate world, I like didn't like I sort of had a morning routine like later on in the process. But in the beginning, I would just like wake up and then just go instantly into work and like go into work early and start working and I just never had that bridge from like waking up and easing into my day and I find it's just such a good thing for me because I personally wake up feeling a little bit like anxious like I'm always like it's it's the day I need to get going but you know giving myself a break and easing into that and doing something to relax me even if it's nothing specific just like sitting there and drinking coffee which is my favorite thing it just gives me so much peace of mind and clarity before I start my day. Agreed. And I think we just have more time. Well, and I'm sure you saw this when you started working for yourself, but for people that are still working full time, it's like now we don't have to have, especially in New York, that like mad dash in the morning to catch the subway and get to work. And it's like a whole thing. Now we actually have, or at least I feel like I have that time in the morning to just slow down and really take advantage of it because I don't have to rush to get out the door. For sure. I think like the elimination of the commute for a lot of people has given like a little bit extra time to take care of themselves, whether it's a workout or waking up early and doing what we've been talking about. But for a lot of people who I've talked to, it actually isn't helpful when they don't have a commute really? because they just, yeah, because they're basically just rolling out of bed and going right to their computer and not thinking about it. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that have been saying that. Like, they now they get to sleep late, so they sleep late, and then they roll out of bed. But it's such a game changer if you wake up at the same time you would have to get to your commute and just, like, take those two hours before you have to start work to just do whatever makes you feel good. It is such a game changer. Like, when anybody asks me what's the one thing I should do to make myself feel better, I'm like, wake up earlier. <laughs> me time. Yeah. yeah, me time in the morning. Completely. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, it's not realistic for everybody in every walk of life and depending on like if you have a family or what your living situation is, but I think it's so right. important to give yourself that priority of time uninterrupted at any point of the day, even whether totally. it's like a five minute walk or a 10 minute walk or something like that at later in the day. Right. You need to take the time for you to just recharge and recenter to be able to tackle everything else in the day. For sure. So talking about, obviously we just touched on like how you work for yourself. So I want to just take it all the way back. Like, there's so much that I want to talk to you about because with your platform, you talk about wellness, mental health, you share recipes. Like, there's so much that we're going to get into. But let's just start with, like, how you even got here. Like, your story to quitting your full-time job. Now you're a full-time content creator in the wellness space. Like, let's, let's just go all the way back. For sure. So I've had my platform since the spring of 2017. So actually almost four years, which is really crazy. Wow. I started it for fun. It was actually called Eat Well Detroit when I started it. 
because I was living in the area, I moved here from, from Toronto to Michigan and I just like loved cooking and I loved going to find healthy things at restaurants and I just loved being creative and sharing things. And I really wanted to start a blog, but I always thought to myself, like, I can't be, you know, one of those people who like does Instagram. Like, it's just not me. Like I was so embarrassed. I didn't think I could put myself out there. Like I remember following other people and, you know, it was just when stories had just come out and seeing people like starting to really share their life. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot do that. But I wanted to do it. I had such a drive to share creatively. And at the time I was working in corporate advertising in a new job that I got when I moved and I really didn't like it. It just wasn't, I loved advertising and I had worked in the business for, for a couple of years, but the role here just wasn't for me. And I sort of quit that job in the hopes of finding another job in advertising. And in that kind of in-between phase, I decided to start the Instagram and enroll in IIN, which was a health coaching program. I don't health coach anymore at all, um, but it was a really great way to start going into the industry and to sort of express and connect with other people who loved wellness and cooking and healthy living, like just like me. And then after a couple of things had happened, I'd always hoped to keep looking for a full-time job, but just a few things had happened. I got a couple like freelance writing gigs and I was like, wait, maybe I can actually you know, create, a, I do this full time. Maybe I can be in this school program for the year, create my blog, hopefully work with brands one day, um, you know, take on health coaching clients, do workshops. I was selling like healthy baked goods in the lobby of my apartment building. I was just doing all of these different things. And I said to myself, like, and I was making no money, but I thought I could give it a shot for a year. Just given the situation I was in, I was able to do that, which I'm very grateful for. And I said, I'll just give myself a year. And then a year later, things started really picking up and I was doing enough between my health coaching and my small, small brand partnerships and, you know, working some retail part time. I was doing enough to be able to be where I needed to be and knew that that looking back over the past year and all the growth that had happened for me and there was only going to be more opportunity. So I decided to stick with it. And now, you know, that brand has evolved from, the Michigan kind of focus brand to my name with eat well in it. So it was eat well with Sari for a long time. And then I just changed it to just my name um, because the food was always like a really big part of my brand. And it still is like, I still share a lot of recipes, but the other things I talk about are just as important. So I wanted to just make it my name because it would just be more all encompassing to all the different topics that I talk about. Like sometimes I talk about fashion, sometimes I talk about beauty, sometimes I a lot of the time I talk about mental health or just life and day-to-day -day things mm -hmm. and relationships. So I just wanted it to be more all encompassing, even though food is still a big part of it for me. So the growth and the evolution of my brand has been something that's been kind of in tandem with the growth and the evolution of my like adulthood and yeah. my life. And it's been like a very strong representation of it, especially today. So I'm really proud of where it's come, but it definitely took like a lot to get there. <laughs> Yeah. Was there like a pivotal moment? You know, you said that you sort of mentally were like, I'm going to give it a year and give it my best shot. Was there a pivotal moment within that year where you were like, oh, this is like, I'm going places. This is going to work out for me. Was there like a big moment in your mind where maybe it's a brand partnership or whatever it was, maybe it's community, you know, engaging with your content? Um, I think I started to, well, I was growing pretty quickly and connecting with people a lot. I definitely found that, especially geographically, there wasn't, there weren't a lot of people sort of doing what I was doing. Right. 
So I was able to grow and build a community really fast. Um, well, at a, in a healthy rate. And I think like mm -hmm. as every day new opportunities would come and it would connect, connect with more people. I just always had the hope and, and the knowing that I could make it work and that I had what it takes because my old job prepared me so much for the business of this. Well, it's not new anymore, but this side of the job, uh -huh. especially in the past two years when I've only been doing content creation and, you know, whether that's paid partnerships with brands or creating content for my website where I have ads on and affiliate marketing and Pinterest and all of these different avenues of my brand and where my content goes. That is all stuff that I was familiar with before. So I wouldn't say there was a specific moment where I was like, wow, I can do this. Like I never had a big break. There wasn't like a specific mm -hmm. thing that happened that I could think of in the top of my mind. It was just more that every day there were new things happening. I knew that because I was so like fired up about everything I was doing and excited about it that I had to make it work. Right. You mentioned like the evolution of your brand or your content. It started as Detroit, right? I would literally go to like a restaurant in the area and post like the healthy dish that you should order at the restaurant. Okay, that's interesting. And then like I did quickly get comfortable with sharing me on stories or like the like the back end of day-to-day -day my life, but I didn't post right. myself or talk about myself so much if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I basically like I remember I was like I can't post a picture of myself until I have like a thousand followers. And then <laughs> I would only post a picture of myself like every like 20 feed tiles or whatever yeah. because I just didn't think people were there for, it. but the more I started sharing myself and opening up and talking about like life things and real things, the more people cared and were engaged with me. And I actually enjoyed right. doing that. So well, the second I became more comfortable with that was really when I found that my like authentic connection was really growing and then brands started to notice that and reach out to me. So right. that was a really big part of it, just having that confidence and opening up and just being myself and not just like a food account where you go to it and it's just all pretty pictures of food, but never the person and you don't even know what they look like. Yeah. It takes so much to finally put yourself out there and to finally do it. But I don't know if you can relate to this, but when I finally did and like finally put my first YouTube video out there, I don't think I will ever feel that free and on a high ever again. Like even if I were to get 1 million subscribers tomorrow, I will not feel as free as I did when I like finally did it. Can you relate to that or were you still sort of Yes, struggling? I remember when yeah. I started my Instagram, I was at like a coffee shop and I knew I was going to do it. I talked to like a couple people. Um, I had a few friends who had big accounts, um, sort of in the wellness space. So they were great mentors for me. Mm -hmm. And I remember I posted like nine pictures. I used like Visco, how I was going to edit them. And I post them all at the same time. And then I like walked home from the coffee shop and I was like, oh my God, how embarrassing is this? How did I do this? Like it was such a high, but also like, such an a fear overwhelming you know? yeah so yeah so I completely know what you mean and I mean YouTube is like such a world that I don't I'm not really in I have a YouTube but I don't really use it but I give so mm -hmm. much credit to the YouTubers because it, it's like a lot of dialogue and a lot of video and a lot of energy and I know yeah. people would say that about like Instagram and blogs and stuff like that too but because I'm not used to it I'm like oh my god that's so intimidating yeah, it's it's the talking that's really a difference for sure. And like putting yourself yeah. out there. It's like the talking instead of written word. It's interesting because you gravitate more towards Instagram and blogging and I gravitate more towards podcasting and YouTube. So it's just interesting, yeah. like the different communication styles that people gravitate towards.
For sure. But I wanted to ask you, like, regarding the evolution of your content, you started in advertising, and now, you know, you started talking about wellness and eating and recipes and healthy eating, and then you became a health coach. So when did that start for you? Were you always interested in health or in mental health? Like, or were, were there things that you went through in life that sort of brought that out of you? Yeah, so I think in, in college, I like worked out, but only so I could party. Like I, I literally would be on the treadmill and I'm like, woo, three hours till a frat party. Like I was, I had no concept of like doing things for myself and the health of that my is body. so it was relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I would put on like the music and I'd be like, oh my God, in a couple hours, we're going to be having the best time. <laughs> Uh, and I think a lot of people relate to that now. <laughs> oh, it's the college mentality. Or it's also like, oh my God, I'm on the treadmill because like I'm going to a PJ party tonight. And like, you know, like that, that yeah. culture of like on the treadmill because I want to look good for the party later. It's just such totally. a college thing. And I would only do cardio. I like listen to the same playlist every time. Like if I had to do a workout that I used to do in university, I would just be like, oh, how boring is that? But it was the beginning of me getting interested in fitness, but it wasn't mm -hmm. for the right reason. Totally. Anyways, after I graduated college, it was, which was in 2012, I like lived at home with my parents and it was the first, and I went to grad school for advertising. And it was in that year that I started to get really interested in wellness and healthy eating. It was like just starting to be talked about like, clean eating and stuff like that like there were I remember discovering hemp seeds chia seeds like Ezekiel bread like all this stuff and my mom was like we have great healthy food at the house like if you want to buy all those weird things like you can spend your own money on it <laughs> and so like I would go to the health food store and buy those things and like have them in a separate drawer and, and when I was getting interested in all of those things like I think I was really, really into healthy eating, but I was almost like overeating healthy food because I was restricting everything else. And I would start to like demonize unhealthy food sort of. And I would, I wouldn't really understand why people didn't eat healthy things. I remember thinking like, wow, like why would you choose to eat like refined noodles when you can eat something yeah. else that's better for you? And although there are elements of, of like why I choose to eat healthy now and also balance with just other life foods that I love is still a little bit the same. But at the time, I remember just judging also other people for like making unhealthy decisions. And like, I cared so much about it. And then when I started working full time, like when I would meet people in my new job, be like, Oh, like, I'm a health nut. And I would like tell people I was a health <laughs> nut, which was like the weirdest thing. And so I would go to the gym really early. But that's like, how you defined yourself, which is interesting. Yeah. And I like at work, I would track all of my like, workouts in a spreadsheet. And just like make sure that I did them every day. And I was doing like yeah. Kayla, it's not like BBG. And, you know, I, I it was like, it was the start of under, of trying to build a good routine and having the right intentions, but just always coming at it with from a place of just like fear and anxiety. Like if I don't do it, what will happen? And it was always like, my motivation was always like, I need to be the healthiest. I need to be the healthiest. Like I had watched all these documentaries I don't even remember what they're called, but like some fear mongering documentaries about like the food we eat and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm just of the camp of like, you know, the danger is in the dose and like live in balance. Like the stress of like what's in your toothpaste is not going to benefit you. And anyway, so it was it was around that time, like in, when I first started working and it wasn't really until like I'm like later, like even when I first started my Instagram, I was still really into that wellness lifestyle and, you know, health coaching and 
I was, I was more balanced then, but the habits that I had then now, I would look back and be like, wow, what a waste of energy. How much you like cared about that. And, but I wouldn't take it, I wouldn't take it away because it taught me so much about my relationship with food. And although when I first started getting into healthy eating, it was a very much like a transactional relationship. Eventually I really learned to love and care for how good foods nourish my body and how they made me feel. And when I started to care more about healthy eating, I did still receive all the benefits besides like the stress relationship with it. I did feel more energized and happier, you know, and more motivated in work and things like that. Like those physical benefits I did feel, but it was getting to the right like equilibrium of eating well and nourishing my body, but viewing it in a healthy way. And I think now, you know, it's taken me like a lot of therapy and a lot of just like letting my letting like the rules go lifestyle to really get to this point and it's really only been like a year and a half I'd say since I've been like fully you know living an intuitive eating and more like fruit food freedom style life like no matter I will I can eat whatever I want now and I will have zero regret but I just have a different relationship with it I'm like I love really indulgent like pasta dishes and I love like all like pizza and you know like one day I'll have that and the next day I'll have like all veggies in a stir fry with like tofu and homemade sauce. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, as long as I feel good and I don't overstuff myself and get like stomach pains or anything, I just enjoy it. Like the joy that I get from all types of food, whether it's like a really cool, like vegan product that I've never tried before or like an Alfredo sauce that I bought at the store. That's so good. I just love all foods and I try to make space for all the foods that bring me joy now, but it took a long time to get there for sure. For sure. I completely relate to that. I'm like just a foodie in general, but I deal with IBS and bloating. So I need to learn portions and things like that, but I don't want to demonize food. It's more about like fixing my habits and all about finding what foods make me feel good, what times of eating make me feel good and things like that. But the food itself, I love indulging. I love healthy foods. Like it's all about balance. And I like how you said the danger is in the dose gonna steal that but yeah <laughs> I, I'm curious when you finally when you went to school to become a health coach did you did your eyes start opening to maybe you know an obsessive feeling that you were having towards food and healthy eating and like learning about that a holistic way of approaching health or were you still sort of stuck in those ways um I'd say it helped me like I learned a lot. Like now I feel I'm pretty knowledgeable about different nutrients that I need and th- and things like that. I wouldn't say that it caused, it triggered me more, but it, it sort of like, you know what? I've never been asked that before. So if I think about it, it was just, I was really interested in healthy eating at that time and obsessive for sure, but not to the point that I was before almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I'd say when I was going through IAN, I was much, much more like into the holistic situation. And as I've gotten older, I've started to realize that like, you know, about like, and my husband's a doctor. So we've always been like a little yin and yang because I really do believe like food is medicine and Mm -hmm. sleep and taking care of your mental health and exercise and all those things. Like lifestyle things are so important, but I really have always rejected the doctors are bad. They like medicine is bad. Like, that I've never been on board with. Um, And I think I've gotten even more pro-medicine and pro-science since the pandemic. Um, And I just totally changed the topic. But this comes up a lot because (laughs) as being someone in like the holistic wellness world, 
I'm right. also like very pro science and very pro medicine and very pro like you there are elements of eastern and western medicine that we need and especially when it comes to mental health I'm like no that's like my number one thing and I don't like to demonize any type of practitioner or healing method um, but I, I it does bother me when people are like hardcore one way or another like I think yeah open being open to to many different types of modalities of healing and being healthy is really important because even you you said like you have IBS and other things like that so you you wouldn't feel good if you ate the way that I did a lot of the time because mm-hmm. I eat so much cheese <laughs> I love cheese um so I still do but so yes different. you're right <laughs> people are like how do you eat so much cheese I'm like I love cheese <laughs> yeah I just love it too much I I can't cut it out I'm sorry <laughs> Well, I mean, there's some things that are worth it. Like, exactly. Uh, my thing that I really try to avoid because it gives me like shooting, shooting, shooting pains is like deep fried. But like, I'll still eat fries sometimes. Mm-hmm. But like, if like I wouldn't eat like tempura shrimp or something, it just really makes me feel sick. Yeah, sushi and Chinese food for me, it's like I don't even want it anymore because I associate it with pain. Like, I will literally be on Postmates and see something that kills my stomach, and, like, I get pain in my stomach, which is definitely anxiety, but it's interesting. Like, some things are worth it and some just aren't, but I, I mean, I think that was important that you said that because... I know you thought you were getting off topic, but we get <laughs> totally we get was. put into boxes. Like you got trained as a holistic health coach, right? So you're yeah. you're just trying to say it's not just holistic health. There's also medicinal. Like it's I completely agree with that. In that sometimes people you know identify themselves as one thing. It doesn't mean that they don't believe in other things as well. So I do think that's actually an important you know differentiator, but. I I do want to talk a bit more about, you know, intuitive eating. And I think you said the term was food freedom, because when I posted on Instagram that you were coming on, I actually got a few questions regarding this for you. So just about like your journey to intuitive eating. And I know we've, we've spoken about it, but was there like, how did you get past diet culture? I know that's a really broad question, but if we could just talk about that for a bit. Yeah, I think like, I think like three things come to mind for me, because I used to be like, very into it. And it was sort of as we've talked about, like, be masked by like, my desire to only put good things in my body. But like, if I knew, like, I remember years ago, like my birthday just happened, it was February 2nd, I remember years ago being like, all right, from around Christmas time, like the holidays, to my birthday, which is like, just over a month, I can't have any dessert until my birthday because I know my birthday I'm gonna have cake and this and this and this and I remember being like like telling myself okay you have to avoid all cake or desserts like no matter what until your birthday like why did I ever do that to myself it is so terrible but I think a few things really helped me with embracing the more intuitive eating food freedom one is actually spending the time to learn and understand about healthy eating. Like I know how to eat well. I know how to balance my plate. I know what things are nourishing. I know what oils to cook with. Like all of those things I feel are very natural to me. So for someone who is like, oh, I can only eat low fat stuff because they're so involved in diet culture from like 2003, that it's going to be a lot harder for them. So I think like, you know, learning about real food and understanding real food. And that to me was a lot of like podcasts and books and 
although I learned about all those things, maybe when I was a little too restrictive, those things still really stuck with me. So intuitive eating and food freedom isn't like, let's eat whatever we want. And, and whenever we actually, yes, it is eat whatever you want, but usually whatever you want, if you understand your body and you want to like feel good is also healthy food too. So like sometimes I'll have a loaded green smoothie for breakfast, a huge like salad or like a pita filled with veggies and like hummus and stuff like a healthy quote unquote lunch. And then for dinner, I'll have like white pasta, Alfredo sauce and chicken, you know, like that's what I feel like. (laughs) And as long as I feel good and I'm enjoying my food, that's what matters. But if I woke up and I had, and I've done this a lot, like, a bagel and cream cheese for bre- for breakfast, like a sub for lunch, like some candy in the afternoon, and then like pizza for dinner. I mean, I did that the other weekend. And I was like, okay, whatever, like, tomorrow's a new day. But thinking about like, all of those different things, like, that's okay to eat in a day too. But knowing that that maybe wasn't the best for my body nourish wise, just automatically the next day, I'll, I'll just want to eat something healthier, not because I ate something unhealthy the day before and I, that's bad. It's just because I know what my body wants. So I think learning your body, which, which does take time. Also like following people on social media who don't promote diet culture, like a, a couple, like a year and a half ago, I followed so many people, like so many people. I just, even people who like demonize ingredients on Instagram, I'm like, then don't eat it. You know, right. like, <laughs> like it's great. Point out the good ingredients and in products, but like, I don't know. It's just like too much sometimes. So yeah. I'm following a lot of people on Instagram and following people who talk positively about food, talk positively about enjoying the healthiest foods and the quote unquote indulgent foods, people who make it okay to eat what you want and not have to follow specific rules and to really listen to your body. So social media, as much as that's an unusual thing to say, has really helped me a lot with intuitive eating. And it's helped me a lot also with body positivity too. Like unfollowing people who just like filter that crap out of themselves and always Mm -hmm. post like, you know, so following people who are just more real, I guess. And the other thing with intuitive eating, I think is, and I think there is a book, the intuitive eating book, I read it years ago. I would definitely recommend that or like a book on tape if you aren't a reader, because I think I did listen to a book on tape that helped me too. So learning, following people, like surrounding yourself with people who aren't in that mentality. And also, this is a weird one, but exposure therapy if you will like when I started to really want to be more intuitive and like not feel guilty about food as much and just like be more free with it because it did cause me a lot of anxiety and my therapist was helping me a lot with this she'd be like if you want to have a big bowl of pasta for dinner do it and eat till you're full like eat till you feel satisfied and then stop and see if you like regret it the next day because I think what a lot of people feel like when they're have this diet culture is like, they have this fear mentality that if they eat this thing now, they'll never get to eat it again. And I definitely had that. So I was like, I'll eat it till I feel satisfied. And then I'll stop versus before I might be like, I have to eat all this because I'm not going to let my eat my let myself eat this for like another two weeks or something. So I think just giving yourself exposure therapy, like eating what you're craving, but only to the point that you really wanted and listening to your body also really helped me. I know that's yeah. like a lot of things. And it no, I have so much to say. <laughs> okay, go. So, I, I'm, I definitely ramble. So No, there was so much good in there though. And there's something that everyone can take from that. Because I think not everything is going to resonate with every person. So I like that you're giving a lot of different things to work with. Because someone can pull things from all, all different areas of what you just spoke about. But I want to 
ask you because listening to your body, right? That's like sort of what people associate with intuitive eating. That's what people are being told to do. But I feel like sometimes that's not tangible enough. Like people don't know how to listen to their body. So when you were saying, you know, pizza for dinner, I don't know, pancakes for breakfast, like a whole day of that. It's also, I find like not shaming myself for anything, like just enjoying, but also taking note of how I'm feeling because I think that's the most important thing. And sometimes it's hard to listen to your body. People are like, what do you mean? Like, it's not talking to me. Like, what do you mean? So do you have any tips for the quote unquote listening to your body and understanding what foods make you feel good, what you're craving? If, you know, if someone's craving pizza, they can get confused with like, wait, so should I be listening to my body or, or, you know, like it's, it's a confusing topic. I feel like sometimes. Yeah, it's very hard because people are like, oh, like, if I just listen to my body, I would, if I had no rules, I would just eat the crap all day long. But that's what people think they would do. But if they were really being like, wow, how do I feel right now? Like, how, like, did I have good digestion? Like, did I sleep well? Am I irritable? Like, those type of things. And I think I learned that early when I was getting into when I was getting interested in healthy eating and really nourishing my body and making sure that I had like, you know, enough protein and fat and fiber in, in all of my meals so that I would stay full for more than like 60 minutes. So it took almost like that learning about what learning about what I need to be nourished at the beginning to then apply that now. But it's very hard. I don't think there's something that people can just wake up and be like, I'm going to eat intuitive tomorrow. I think it does take time. And I think also a huge part of it is understanding like what type of emotions are making you want to eat. Like so many emotions are connected to the way we eat. So for me, all the restriction and fear and all of that stuff that I had once put on myself was all real. I put all my anxiety into the food because it, it made me feel like, okay, if all this stuff is happening and I don't know what's happening in the future, I do know what I'm eating in my next meal. And it made me like grasp onto something. So seeing a therapist for me and really engaging with why am I so anxious about food and why do I do this to myself and all this stuff. She helped me a lot with it. So I don't think it's some, as you said, like something that people can just decide they want to do. I think it does take work. So that book that I, that I read, like following people who have healthier relationship with food. And I think the actually the very first thing I would say is like, if you start to feel like, you know, guilty or sad about what you ate or, you know, or stressed of what you eat, just like almost just be like, nope, I don't have time for that feeling. I don't have time for that thought, like moving on and then focusing on something else and not really allowing the feelings around food to take over. These are mm-hmm. all things that are way easier said than done. And for me, it's, it's taken like a long time to get to this place. And I, I truly think the pandemic was like the last thing that helped me really get to this place. Because although I lived this lifestyle before the pandemic, there were still times where I was really hard on myself. And now I am just like life. There are so many things in life that are so much harder right now. And like just taking care of myself and being forgiving and relaxing with things and doing only what I love and eating only what I love is helping me like get through it. So yeah, that's that's just been like my personal journey. Do you think that food journaling is, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but I know, for example, for me, I was seeing a dietitian to figure out my triggers for my IBS and doing low FODMAP and that whole deal. And I had to do food journaling to figure out like how I felt from certain foods. Do you think that that's, you know, and you could say it depends on the person, but do you think that's like a healthy approach to figuring out, you know, intuitively how everything makes you feel? 
Or do you think that can be triggering for someone who does struggle with diet culture? Uh, I don't know because I have never struggled with anything like that. Like, so whenever I talk about intuitive eating in, in general, I always preface like if you have chronic illness or if you have serious stuff going on or, you know, you might not be able to you might not be able to live the way I live. So it's really hard to say that personally, the days that I food journaled and recorded my food were the worst days of my life. And I will never go back there. Like I don't even look at calories ever because it just brings me back yeah. to like, oh, I only have 12 calories left and I haven't had dinner on my fitness pal. And I'm just like, why would I waste my energy and my life stressing about that? Like I need to eat dinner. That was for me. But I have friends who are like, love the macro lifestyle and love recording everything that they're eating and it makes them feel good and they are still balanced and they they're living it up and they're liking that and that works for them but for me the the tracking and recording of any kind was very very triggering for me mm -hmm. um i'm not a dietitian so like i don't i don't know like those things might be necessary for someone like you um, who's really trying to get to the bottom of what her sensitivities are, because once you figure those out and you're able to maneuver your eating habits around them, you'll feel so much better. So yeah. if it's helpful and, and productive, then for sure. But I think just for like a regular person trying to like ditch diet culture, recording yeah. your food, I personally yeah. could, will never ever do that again, unless yeah. I have like some disease in the future or something where I need to do that. I will never do that again. It is interesting, though, because I was told I'm not doing it anymore, and it honestly didn't help me because I was told that, you know, food journaling would help me figure out what foods are triggering me, right? So, but the act of food journaling and having to remember to record everything and think about how I was feeling gave me anxiety, and there is a direct correlation, for me at least, with IBS between my anxiety and my gut. Some, I'm realizing that it's not even it's not even certain foods. It's truly my habits and like my portions. And if I'm anxious before I eat, like then I will be bloated. It has nothing to do with the yeah. food. I'm anxious, so that's something I'm realizing. So it's interesting how food journaling can work for some people, but it also can either trigger you or give you anxiety, which makes your stomach issues worse if you're someone like me. So. I just yeah. I find it interesting. People whose anxiety also... manifests a lot in like stomach things, like I've had that at a point too. It like if you think about it, like if you're about to get on stage in front of like 200 people, or you are about to write an exam or something, you feel like you have to like poo sometimes. Like you're like, oh my god, like hundred so percent. That is so funny because I went to sleepaway camp and we always called it visiting day diarrhea. Like always. Yeah, yeah. So I like to sleepaway camp too. That's so funny. We always used to say visiting day di visiting diarrhea. Always. So that yeah, is so hilarious. Anxiety connection. I mean, and sometimes like I've it's learned to example. distinguish when like I'm feeling anxious and I have a stomachache because of it. And when I'm feeling I have a stomach ache because of what I ate. Right. You know, like right. I recently brought meat back into my diet like almost a year ago. And after three years of being a vegetarian or like a pescatarian or pesco lacto ovo, mm -hmm. I don't even know what I was. <laughs> I didn't eat meat. Okay. Um, and <laughs> when I started to bring it back in, like obviously I had stomach pain. Like, the, and that was real stomach pain. So I learned like, okay, maybe like a big steak with a whole bunch of sauce isn't going to sit well with me right now. It's probably not the best thing to start to do, but like, I'll try chicken and that was really good. And now like, I only have steak once in a while because it really makes me feel like I want to like, pat, like just kind of fall over of lethargicness. Yeah. 
that's even a yeah. word. Um, but I still enjoy it sometimes. Really rarely, mm-hmm. though. But I do enjoy it sometimes if I'm like, this is going to be a really good steak. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely the understanding the balance is like, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. The, the intuitive eating book that you mentioned, I have several close, like the closest people to me that have read that book. And each one of them has said it changed their life. So do you it feel was the same years way? Ago. I don't even remember who yeah. wrote it. No one knows who wrote it, but it's life changing. <laughs> you may have to find it and put it in the show notes. It's like the oh, main. 100%. Like the original one. Mm-hmm. There's an updated one too from the same, like the same book, but it's an updated version, I feel, I believe. I'll put it in the show notes and also on my Instagram because the amount of times I've heard that that's life changing, it must really be an incredible resource. Totally. Also, you said, you know, following people that are body positive and talking positively about food. It doesn't even have to be about living a healthy lifestyle, but I like how you said it's just talking positively about food because we really do get influenced by the social media content that we're consuming. Like as much as we don't want to believe that we're that easily influenced, we are. And it subconsciously, it manifests in your mind, even how you were raised, like it all manifests and stays with you subconsciously. So what are some of your favorite accounts to follow? Yeah. So first I'll say that the other day I posted that I was drinking a a latte with whole milk, which I always do. I love lattes with whole milk because they're so satisfying and like creamy Mm -hmm. and delicious. And someone was like, thank you for like showing that you drink whole milk. Like no one shows they drink whole milk. And I also love oat milk. And and how crazy is that though? That someone has to thank you for posting whole milk. I also like oat milk and almond milk, but I, I, for lattes, I think the best is, is whole milk, but I like it and I don't, I feel good drinking it and I find it so satisfying. And she was like, wow, thank you. So like people, I'm like, you need to follow more people who think it's okay to drink whole milk or like if, or if they're, you know, dairy free or something, if they're not afraid of like the sugar or whatever, if it's like a special latte, you know, it doesn't always have to be like that. Some accounts I love. There's one dietitian, Deanna. She's so nice. She's an intuitive eating dietitian. She's great at talking about like food freedom, intuitive eating, body positivity, just embracing where you're at and like way you're looking at food. There's another girl who's also a Michigan local. Her name's Colleen and she's at no food rules. Um, She's like funny with it. I like her a lot too. I love the podcast diet starts tomorrow. They have gotten really into intuitive eating too, sort of in the same like time frame that I have. So I like the way that they talk about it because it's so relatable. Mm Mm-hmm. My friend Cammie from Freckled Foodie, she's also like very body positive and just open with enjoying food and eating really good food. I love her The Bird's Papaya is a really good one. I like, she's like just accepts, she just had a baby and she's just like, yep, this is what I look like right now. And, you know, she's really open about it and great. My friend Jordana from I Heart Nutrition is also great at showing a balance of like loving salads and, you know, healthy dinners, but also loving like wine and pizza and stuff like that. So There are so many more I'm like forgetting, but those are just the ones that come up for me. Perfect. So I'm going to post them in the show notes, Instagram, because I do agree that it's so much more important than people realize. Like it's almost just as important as learning and educating yourself because like I mentioned before, it all subconsciously, like the content you're consuming, we're on our phones and on Instagram more hours of the day than we'd all like to admit. So yeah. We're consuming, and especially if you're out of college, like you're not really learning anymore. You're just consuming content. So it really is so important. But So true. Right? <laughs> I did get a few listener questions for you before we go into the ending segment. So I chose two. Okay. 
One is, what is your favorite Detroit spot? Which is pretty vague, so I guess shout out whatever you want to shout out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd say my two favorite restaurants in Detroit, Detroit, are She-Wolf, which is an Italian restaurant, and Selden Standard, which is like an American restaurant. Um, Detroit, I mean, right now it's tough because of, you know, the pandemic. Restaurants just started opening up again, which... I haven't personally felt comfortable going to, but in the summer I probably will, and I can't wait. <laughs> but Detroit has this cool like revival revival vibe that I have learned to love since I've moved to Michigan from Toronto, which is like a big, very established city. And just seeing all these cool restaurants pop up from like amazing chefs from other cities who are like buying these old buildings in Detroit and opening up really cool restaurants, it's very awesome. So I'm I'm sure I'm missing a ton, but there's so many great spots. My favorite coffee is Madcap downtown. It's really good. And nice. I haven't been downtown. I live like 20 minutes from downtown. I haven't been downtown in a while because like the pandemic, I would normally, we normally like go down for dinner um, right. or like to walk around during the day, but it's also been freezing. I've never been <laughs> so, to Detroit. I definitely want to make my way there. I've heard really good things. It's cool. I mean, Michigan is the most underrated state ever. Like, I mean, the winters are tough, but you know, but in, in, the, yeah. in the fall and in the summer, like it's all lakes, beautiful trails, like it's so gorgeous. There's so many beautiful neighborhoods, little towns. It's so underrated. And then on the west yeah. side, like up on the north side of Michigan, it, it's like on Lake Michigan, which is blue waters and cliffs and such great cottage okay, sold. areas. And sold. <laughs> it's a great spot. I mean, I'm I'm big fan of, of, of the state. <laughs> okay. The other question, which is kind of a loaded question, but we can we don't have to dive too deep into it because we're nearing the end, but balancing how do you balance your medical or I guess they're talking about your husband maybe how do you balance medical degree and your relationship slash sex life oh <laughs> you don't have to get I to mean, that part but your relationship in general I think so ever since I've been really we've been together for almost 10 years and ever since I've been with my husband he's either he was either a student like at University of Michigan we were both students and then when I started working he was a med student, so he was still a student. And now he's a doctor slash resident, but he's still a student because when you're a resident, you still have to study and like do all that stuff. So our relationship has always been like the two of us and then like the studying and the medical requirements or all those things. It is a crazy commitment. And seeing someone go through that is, I have so much respect for him and everybody that goes through that. It is extremely stressful. I think him as a person like he has almost the opposite of anxiety so we balance each other out really well yeah. and one of his best qualities is being present when he when he can be so even if he comes home and he has like three hours of like charts to do or studying we'll still have dinner together and hang out and like relax together for a little bit and then he'll go do that and I think the number one thing that has helped us evolve and I think we have a very very strong relationship every couple has issues and everything like that but in general I feel like our relationship is very strong because we started long distance and we were long distance for five years. And so then when we weren't long distance anymore, we were both still very accustomed to and valued our independence. So like we would do things with our other friends or do things on our own. And mm -hmm. when he had to study a lot, I would go do uh, go off and do stuff and then we'd make sure to spend time together. But we we never had a very intense codependency, which I think is where a lot of couples have str have struggles if they go through like the medical system like if you meet yeah. a guy now or a girl or a partner or whatever who's a resident it's just like it's going to be tough and just knowing that like that's gonna it is gonna be like that but I'm personally used to it and I almost would never want to have it any other way because 
I love our dynamic and I, and he's so like passionate about what he's doing. And I'm so passionate about what we're doing that when we come together, like we're both satisfied in our independent lives and it allows us to really connect together in a, in a really magical way, I guess. But it's definitely hard. Like the match process, like you, there's a point where they have to match for residency. It's like, Oh, this one day you open envelope and that's where you're going to work for the next four years. And you have no choice, but to go. It's like so crazy. So I think the person who's not in the medical like track has to be a little more flexible and sacrifice a little bit more. I sacrifice a little bit more in in that regard than he sacrifices in other ways. And we just, there there has to be a give and take, but it's definitely tough. Um, But he doesn't bring home work with him. Like he does if he has work to do physically at home, but he doesn't take on the stress as much with the exception of when he was working in the COVID unit for a couple months in Chicago, because that was not fun. For both of us, that was tough. So even getting through that has given us even just like so much gratitude for like not being in that situation Mm -hmm. anymore, like right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. And to whoever asked this question, listen to the, my, one of my recent episodes with Case Kenny, we were talking all about relationships and we were talking about the same thing that you just mentioned, which is I've been with my boyfriend for nine years since high school, like never broken up. And we, yeah. And I was saying the same thing that we both have our own lives, our own passions. Like we don't, like if he says, I'm going to go like to dinner with my friends tonight, there's never been a time where I've ever been like, oh, you don't want to hang out with me. Like we, and he's studying also right now to go back to school. So like we both have our own passions and our own drives and our own like separate lives and our own friends. And then like you come together at the end of the day to compliment each other. And we spoke a lot about that in that episode. I'll have to listen. Yeah. I think it's interesting that like, I thought that was just something that I always valued in my own relationship, but I'm starting to realize that a lot of people actually say that that's like the key to a healthy relationship. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do get really annoyed. Like if he's on call, like some weeks he's on call like three times. And and sometimes he has to sleep at the hospital every night that he's on call. And then like, you know, has to like catch up on all this stuff when he's home. And it's like, sometimes it is very frustrating and, and very annoying. But I also like just my respect for what he's doing and, and seeing that he loves it helps. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's definitely a balance. And Well, right. And I don't have that <laughs> stressor to have to deal with. So I'm just like, like I get him more than enough. So it's fine. But I can only imagine in the medical field, it's like having an athlete as a husband. Like it's the same yeah. thing. You, They're just totally. away all the time. And yeah, so... That must be really hard, but props to you guys for making it work. And I think absence <laughs> makes the heart grow fonder. So as long as your quality totally. time is, is quality time and valued time, then I think that's like recipe for success. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish like he wasn't on call today and we can do brunch and like whatever before the pandemic. Right. right. <laughs> Everything has changed. But I'm just grateful that I feel my person. So I love that. Nothing is perfect. I love that. Well, let's go into the ending segment, which is fun facts and favorites. I need to find a better name for it, but that's what we're going with I think that's cute. (laughs) I like it. Okay, great. Let's start with your morning routine, since you did say in the beginning that you trash your morning routine. So what does that look like? It's waking up, drinking a big glass of water, going to the bathroom, and then sitting on my couch and having coffee. While I have my coffee before I like start logging onto social media and stuff like that, I'll give myself like 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, sometimes I'm just like 
staring off or, or reading, <laughs> or sometimes I journal or do a meditation. I try not to be like, I need to do these 10 things in that time. I just like to do something to make me feel relaxed and present. And just like that morning sip is the best. So that's pretty simple. And then once I'm done with that and I start to like log on and, you know, decide what I'm going to post that day or if I have something scheduled, line everything up. And then I'll usually do a workout around 7.30. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's 45 minutes. I don't like to do long workouts. And then I'll shower and kind of get dressed and have breakfast. And I like to be like ready to like work at around 9. What time do you wake up if you just said you do your whole morning? <laughs> I wake and then up at like, wake... at like 6. And then you work like out six. at 7.30? Wait, what time did you say? Yeah, I wake up at like 6. Oh, okay. That's not as crazy as I thought. I'm like, do you wake up at four? I used to wake up at five when I lived in Chicago and I was like going to studios. My, the workout I would go to most mornings was like 7.15 and I needed my hour and a half before I went to the workout to like chill and have my coffee. So I'd wake up at like 5.30 a lot of the time, which is only 30 minutes difference. But now I'm not waking up at five unless I wake up and I'm just up for some reason. But if I don't get to bed, I get to bed usually like at 10. So if I don't, if for some reason I'm still up at 11, then I, I won't, I'll just sleep in. I'll set my alarm for yeah. like 7.30 and I'll do a workout later. Like I'm way more relaxed now. And I, I really do enjoy the structure of my routine and it feels like an extension, like very easy to follow through. I try not to be mm-hmm. like, if I don't feel like doing something that day, I won't do it. Yeah, I'm the same way. So what is your favorite book you've read recently? Ooh, I read Untamed by Glennon... Doyle. Doyle that was really yes. good so good. um and then I read The Guest List by Lucy Foley which is like a non which is a fiction sorry a fiction and it was really good and now I'm reading the third I my goal was to read more in 2021 it started off great and now it's sort of slow <laughs> I'm reading the third of the Paradise series by Ellen or Eileen Hildebrand it's like a romance mystery Ooh, ooh I it's like that it's a third that. book it's really good I try to read for like 15 minutes before I go to bed, but I just fall asleep. So it's taking me a long time (laughs) to read. I've been slow at reading these days too, but Untamed, I love. My phone background is We Can Do Hard Things. I'm like obsessed with that. It's so simple, yet so true. I love it. It's so true. And a lot of the Peloton instructors like have said, say that too. Like Jessica Sims or something. She always goes, we can do hard things. And I'm like, that's That's so funny. (laughs) You're like, you read Untamed. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite workout? I have so many that I love, but I say like my three. I'm gonna give you like three of my number one like things Great. that I'm into right now. So one is my Peloton, which I love. Another is Aubrey Winters. She's like a fitness instructor. She was she used to be in LA, but now she's in Chicago, and she created like a whole virtual platform, an amazing community. And I love her style of workouts and she's just the best, best energy. So I love her platform a ton. We've actually become friends, which is so cool. And then my friends, Elizabeth and Dale of Sweats in the City, they're based in New York. Dale actually mm-hmm. stood up at my wedding. She's like one of my closest friends. So funny that we're both like Insta- in the Instagram world. But her and, and Elizabeth just launched a workout platform too called Sweat with Sweats. Mm-hmm. And I just love how they brought all these different instructors on. So like I do their on-demand stuff. They also have meditation. And just like breath work stuff. It's really cool. So I've actually completely changed my workout style since the pandemic. And right now, those are like the three things that I'm, I'm doing the most, but I'm always down to like try new things too. I've changed mine completely too. I was very into like HIIT workouts and strength training. And now I'm like Pilates, Melissa Wood Health, like the more common workouts, which is interesting. And I know they have 
um, Evolved by Erica on their platform who does meditation and breath work and I love her. I always do her breath work these days. I'm like completely obsessed. So love that shout out. So lastly, this is my favorite, favorite question to ask everyone. What would be your last meal on earth? Okay. I've said this a few times, but the best meal I've ever had was at a food truck in Portland and the the, it's called Goomba, which is like a weird name or Gumba or something. And it's like house made pasta. And it was just the freshest, most delicious pasta with like burrata and this sauce and a really decadent, delicious noodle dish with really, really good cheese. And for me, it has to be the Goomba one. And they also had this like almost like fried dough. It wasn't like a donut or anything, but it was like this decadent breakable dough that had like olive oil and all these seasons and like salt and lemon zest (laughs) it was so good like I anyone who says to me they're going to Portland or from Portland I'm like have you been to Goomba it is like I will drive across the country for for Goomba oh my god we talk about it all the time if they have an Instagram I'm gonna tag them and shout them out on there yeah their Instagram is Goomba it's at Goomba PDX PDX like Portland like the Goomba PDX and when it was so funny because I remember I went on, I went out to the Pacific Northwest in like the spring of 2019 before we moved to Chicago for my husband's like first part of residency. And it was like his med school graduation. We went on like a trip to celebrate and we went to Portland and the food is so good there. It's all food trucks, but his, our cousin or his cousin was like, if you do anything, you must go to this food. Like he was so intense about it the way I am now. And now I understand why. (laughs) And it was so like, funny. you had to go. They were only open like three days. You had to go at four o'clock right when they opened to get their like burrata thing. And like, oh my God. it was so good. We still, that was like two and a half years ago. We're still talking about it. Sorry, two yeah. years ago now, we're still talking about it. My boyfriend and I are the <laughs> biggest foodies. So now I'm like, we have to go to Portland. Yeah, Portland. I'm so excited. I recently, we haven't done really any travel, um, but we did take a road trip down to the Carolinas in December because he had a week off. And we were, like, picking up food, like, eating in our cars, like, being very pandemic safe. And the, <laughs> the food scene in Asheville and Charleston is also really good. So those are two other, like, food cities. Okay, we're trying to plan a bunch of little trips. So now I'm taking this all into consideration because food is always a huge factor in where we end up going. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, where can the people find you? You can find me, I'm on Instagram, at Sari Diskin. I'm also at Sari Diskin on Pinterest. And my blog is still eatwellwithsari.com. And even though it like looks rebranded, the domain is still eatwellwithsari.com. And that has all my recipes, blog posts. and But my most active channel is Instagram. I am on TikTok, Sari.Diskin, but it's just like a repeat of my reels. On, and I um, still haven't gotten like fully into TikTok yet. <laughs> but I'm there. I feel you. Okay, well, thank you so, so much for joining. I think this was such, such a valuable episode. So thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to listen. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.